Hello everyone, how's it going? This is uh, Davis with the uh, M3 podcast, Multimedia Madness. So my podcast here is about uh, movies, games, TV shows, anything media related. Now normally I have my two other co- uh, co-hosts, either uh, Dallas or Brandon, and last week we actually had both of them and not me. I had things a little changed up a little bit. But this time I actually have an uh, opportunity to interview an actual known uh, screen uh, writer, uh, actor here in Edmonton. Um, Neil Chase. He's gonna. We're gonna go into a little bit about himself and uh, who, what he does a little bit, and get into the mind of an actual writer. So I'm definitely interested on that. And um, and then we're gonna kind of start discussing a little bit. Like um, the main topic we're basically talking about today is the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, from start to finish, and have that the main kind of topic. We might jump into a little bit of other shows and movies and how the MCU as a whole comparing to DCEU, that type of stuff. So if you like that type of stuff, movies, games, anime, whatever, make sure to subscribe on uh, YouTube and rate five stars on any listening platforms available. So let's get into it. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Good, good. How are you today? Uh, as we were just saying, going good. I'm, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a little bit, a little bit echoey cause yeah, I'm in the process still of moving. So everything's not exactly set up. I just have my computer on my bed and my tripod with my other camera and everything. So yeah, if I'm not looking directly at you, I'm looking kind of at my other camera, just so you know. I have the same problem. I always look, look like I'm looking down because my camera is mounted above the monitor. Yeah. And I always want to be looking at who I'm talking to. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So if you kind of see that's that's kind of a little bit of an issue. That, that, yeah, I might kind of be looking down a little bit. At you, it's slight angles, but it's I think it's yeah. all good. <laughs> so yeah, why don't you uh, first of all introduce yourself and say like what you kind of do here in Edmonton and and how you got into the industry or, or what have you. You bet. Yeah. So so my name is Neil Chase. Uh, I'm a screenwriter, actor, novelist, uh, hailing from Edmonton, Canada. Um, I uh, oh boy. Where, how, how can I dive into this? Let's see. I've, I've written somewhere on the order of um, 20 feature screenplays. Um, luckily enough, some of those have actually gotten produced now. Um, so that's always a bonus rather than just having a bunch of, uh, a bunch of them stacked on. Uh, piles you know, and piles and just sitting yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, um, you, you wrote the script that uh, got me my first co-directing uh, job, quote unquote. Which one was that? Uh, the one that Eric uh, Eric and I did, we changed to uh, Choices, the one that you wrote about the gangsters or for, for oh, Dylan. Yes. yes, yeah. Right, that, yes, that, yes, yes, yes. That's That we changed it around so much that you didn't even want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, you know what? That's, that's the nature of the business, though, you know? Um, once it's kind of out of the writer's hands, um, whoever takes it on, they, they end up making it their own in one way or the other. So, you know, I always, I always liken it to, to um, selling a car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the car is yours, you can, you can modify it and do with it all you want, spruce it up as much as you want. But then the moment it's out of your hands and it belongs to somebody else, um, you know, they can do with it whatever they want. Put mm-hmm. on new tires, they can throw a spoiler on there, they can... Paint it whatever color they want. Make it neon pink. You know, exactly, exactly. And and really, as as the writer, I I pretty much have to be okay with that, um, because that's that's what film is. Film is such a collaborative process that you know the writing is just 
the very first part of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to be a writer on set, um, then that's a beautiful thing because then you get to be part of that collaboration all the way through to the end of the process. But it doesn't happen every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I also like novel writing. Um, because, you know, unlike in film where, where it's, it's my vision mixed with all these other people that the, bring it to life. The director, producer. Novel writing, yeah. It, all the actors, exactly. Yeah. Everybody. Everyone's involved, throwing right? in their two cents. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Um, but, but when you write a novel, it's just one person, right? So all of it from start to finish is the way that I, uh, saw it. Uh, I describe it exactly the way that I want to. The characters come out, you know, the way that they are in here. And uh, hopefully that all gets across. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, it's a lot of fun. Well, with the, uh, your book that you you just wrote and it's on like the top five of Amazon or something like that right now? Like... Um, it's It's been really great. Like, yeah, it's uh, my book is called Iron Dogs. So that's been my uh, debut novel. I, uh, I wrote it... Um, uh, I guess about a year or two ago now. Um, and then I put it out uh, last year. Uh, I also recorded it as an audiobook uh, with my good friend, David Heacock. Um, and that has been doing really well, the audiobook especially. Yeah. Uh, it's been so well received. It's been, um, it was the number one hot new release on, on Amazon um, for the entirety, like since it's been put out mm-hmm. um, in multiple categories. And then it actually reached like um, top five in, in a couple of categories as well. Uh, so, you know, yeah. I've just been stoked. Like one of the coolest things that ever happened to me was was uh, pulling up the uh, Amazon page for Gothic Horror, I think was the category. Yeah. And, and seeing, you know, Stephen King, um, Jim Butcher, uh, Dean Koontz, and then there's me, and it was literally so, like just these guys and me, and I'm just like, whoa. So this this means it's like it's it's top time. So if you're comparing it to those names, that's not just Canada or Alberta or whatever. That means that's like nation like North America. Yeah, as far as I know, that was for .com, right? So Amazon.com. So yeah. it'd be like whatever that encompasses. If it's just the states or if it's states in Canada, I'm not sure. But oh. you know, well, well still, was, those are. It's especially Stephen King, that's the, that's the really big name. So being up there, holy shit! <laughs> it was it was an amazing feeling. I'll tell you that much. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I'll uh, how about how about this to help you for the last little little bit? We'll get you a couple more link. We'll link your book in the description there down below. That would be amazing. Yeah, I, I, I still yeah. need to. I, I think I still need to like the audio the audio book especially because I'm I don't take time to to sit sit and read like I. I have a couple books, like mm-hmm. I have uh, Elon Musk's um, biography. It's been sitting yeah. on my shelf, like, and I'm like, I'm partially, and it's a good thing, and I like that type of that type of stuff. But yeah, just sitting, taking time to read it. So yeah, listen to like that's what's good about like podcasts or audiobooks is you listen to a little bit while you're doing your cleaning or whatever. And... Absolutely, you know that's that was what really drove um, drove me to do it uh, is because I actually like to listen to audiobooks while I'm driving. It's yeah. one of those things where I, I got in that habit when I used to have to do long drives. And um, I found it's a really great way to sort of pass the time, but it's a very useful way too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can learn a lot if it's like, you know, uh, books on, on learning how to do things or, or if it's just pure entertainment, right? Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's it's a great way to pass a couple of hours 
that, uh, in your car. The, exactly. So. That's what I do. Like with, uh, I always listen to like uh, when I go to visit my family in Wainwright. There, it's about a two and a half hour drive, and I'll yeah. throw out Joe Rogan podcast is like two two hour two to three hours. So it's like it's better than having just music because you don't. But like you can actually engage to, like the conversation, like listen along and be like. And so yeah, it'd be right. the same thing with with like a, a an audio book because you're like intrigued about like what's gonna happen when you do something yeah, like and, that. Yeah, and, and my absolutely. So like I used to listen to a lot of um, you know Stephen King and, and books like this because I found they they really keep your attention and you're you know you don't start to sort of zone out uh, on long drives and and so it's it's I don't know keeps you safer in a yeah. way. Uh, while at the same time keeping you entertained right mm. so it's like the best of both worlds yeah especially if you have other people in the car because if you have again if you have music on you have to have it quiet or if someone's sleeping or whatever and where you can have this it's loud right. enough where it's just conversation so it's not that bad yeah that's right um, exactly i, I have a, another kind of question for you so yeah you have your personal facebook page and you have the neil chase films page what yes. kind of inspired you to do your uh pop quiz hot shots thing where you just put that and then you have a million hashtags and and like the lot the next one i think i failed again i've only gotten one right so far and like what what, what kind of made you think that just kind of pro- to promote the page type thing or yeah pretty much it was it was just kind of a spur of the moment thing i i wanted to do something fun um i had a couple of friends who would uh, do like a, a weekly or, or every few weeks they would do like a comic book related quiz and I, I thought that was a really great idea um and, and sort of so i took that as inspiration a little bit because they stopped doing it after a while and i thought you know this is a really great way to interact with people you sort of find out a little bit about people's likes people's dislikes uh what sort of movies they're into what sort of comics they're into what sort of video games they like mm-hmm. you know i sort of try to cover the entire spectrum when it comes to pop culture yeah exactly. uh, with my questions um and it, it's fun it's like uh What's neat about it is I, I try to uncover these little uh, trivia nuggets that maybe most people don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I, sometimes I'll tease it and, and make it like, oh, it's, there's an obvious que- there's an obvious answer, and then there's maybe one that's kind of out there, and then there's one that's like you're like, hmm, is that the one? Maybe yeah. I don't know. I'm well, not sure, right? Yeah, and then you and then you see like the comments of some people that are for example like closer to your age and they'll be like oh yeah i know this yeah. for sure this is yeah and then the comments or whatever and then the people my age or, or younger or whatever because you have a whole range of people like early early 20s to like 50s or older like yeah. on, on that page and i see the comments and like yeah for sure and then then you just see the gif you always reply with a gif of like ah, 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 like yeah so i just keep on seeing all the notifications on facebook so and so commented so and so comments like oh my god it just fills up the notification page it's gotten to this point where i've, I've had people tell me they actually look forward to the uh yes or no gifts uh the most out of anything it's like they don't even care about the right answer or not yeah they just want to see what 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 gif i come up with yeah for it so yeah. That part's been really fun. Yeah, I think my, and I always, I always try to, I always try to tie it in somehow to the question as well. Yeah, exactly. I think the favorite one was you had one with uh, Will Smith, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that was I remember. I was like, yeah, and now the one you're doing, yeah. What day is it today? Today's Tuesday, so tomorrow you have the. It's Monday. You have the question, and two and Wednesdays you have the answer, right? Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I actually, I actually posted the answer just before we spoke. Oh, so okay. I haven't, I haven't you checked can, yet. So you I'll... can check to see if you got it right or yeah, not. Yeah, I'll check. 
Um, <laughs> but so yeah, no. So that's uh, a little bit about yourself, and then everyone knows me. But I'm trying to get into filmmaking, and you're probably you're one of the, you're probably between like you and Dylan, uh, Dylan Pierce, um, probably one of the main people that have experience that I have a like close conne- uh, connection with because mm-hmm. I've worked with. Um, uh, and, um, what's his name? Uh, not Andy. Um, I, I I'll, I'll remember his name. His just name is just blanking my blanking my mind right now. Um, I've worked with a few people, and I haven't worked directly with you yet. But you're, no, have I? No, not necessarily. But like other than the 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 like what I just said at the beginning, how you wrote the sh- kind of short film that I yeah. worked with. Uh, well, I was at Nate. Um. We, I haven't worked with you, but I've gotten a lot of I've uh, knowledge from you. From I still remember one of the first times I ever met you was at um, Red. I think it was at the Red Deer conference, and I Red Deer College, yeah. Yeah, and you had, sure. and I still remember you wearing the you had the blue uh, long sleeve shirt, and it was before, it was the first time I met you. And I think uh, I the one thing I really like about you is the fact that you're really open, really open to having like questions and being participating in mm-hmm. whatever type of thing and helping as many people as possible. Right. And absolutely. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Dylan too. Dylan had the very, uh, very open of like, yeah, that's what you do. And here's the, here's the hard answer of like, what do you got to do? You got to kind of just do it. And so, well, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Dylan's one of the best people in this, in this province, uh, when it comes to film and when it comes to helping people, um, and, and, you know, I think, I think we're both kind of on the same page there. Um, the idea being like, you know, um, we went to all this work, we went to all this effort to learn these things. Why not pass that knowledge the best we can? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm still learning so much, uh, on a daily basis. Right. And, and I'm always grateful when somebody imparts their knowledge to me. So, so, you know, why shouldn't I pass along whatever little nuggets I come across and if it helps somebody, um, you know, follow their dream, or if it helps somebody make the next film, all the better. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, I, I I want film in this province to succeed as much as it possibly can, right? Because yeah, uh, you know, if one of us rises, all of us rise. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's not just Calgary. <laughs> yeah, because because <laughs> right. I keep yeah. on seeing like there's posts of like of Ayatsi and everything. Oh, Calgary is getting a new a new. Uh lot and everything like that there's all these tax credits and blah blah and and it's like like a lot of stuff that was happening in vancouver is coming over to calgary so like it's it's hard to there's a few things in edmonton but i noticed a lot of things in in edmonton are definitely very micro or like micro or almost no budget films and there's such like people like me trying to kind of like get something going and you put it onto youtube or you try to get like maybe a telefilm grant or something like that but and then if then you maybe go to Calgary, and then Vancouver is obviously the big, big hub, right, mm-hmm. for for Canada. So it's, it's a challenge, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, and I think I, I think you you hit a nail on the head right there. Uh, Calgary tends to get sort of a lion's share of our province uh, film work, like the the established film work. Um, whereas here in Edmonton, we end up sort of people end up doing their own thing mm-hmm. for the most part, and it is indie and it is low budget for the most part. Sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we get the occasional project, um, you know, Dylan's a perfect example of that, where it's like, we'll get, you know, a great uh, film coming through here with a, you know, million dollar budget, and it's a lot of work for everybody, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, things like that is, are fantastic. Um, I just hope we get more of those. Yeah, that would be nice. exactly. <laughs> but, um, 
Well, so let's move on to the the main topic that I wanted to talk about so that yeah. we can kind of get people caught up onto, you know, for people that aren't Edmonton-based at all or have no idea. So, um, yeah, as we were kind of originally speaking and talking, uh, did you watch, you watched the, obviously the entire show we were talking for Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, uh, I, I guess it's called now. Yeah. Uh, did you watch, you watched it episodically when it, or did you, like, yep. yeah? Yep. I did. I, I watched it every week that it came out. Yeah. So... It was yeah. Yeah, me too. That was that was one of the things I was I was like every I think I, I because of work I ended up working uh, some days so I watched it on Saturday so I was like avoiding yep. like social media sometimes for like spoilers or whatever on the Friday night. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, actually, brief just before I talk about that show, did and then same thing yeah. with uh, WandaVision. Did you watch all of that too? I did. I did. I I looked for. I was really looking forward to WandaVision. Um, I, I was very intrigued by how they pulled that off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit confused at first. You know, that first episode was like, what the heck am I watching here? Yeah. It, it was, uh, and, and I really wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I was like, is this thing going to be any good? I yeah. don't know. Um, and then the second episode was a, like kind of a continuation. I thought, okay, they're upping the stakes a little bit, but mm-hmm. I still wasn't hooked. They're all very the slow. Third, yeah, the third episode actually hooked me in. I thought, okay. I like where this is going now um, when they started revealing a little bit, pulling back the curtain a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought they, they created a really great mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they could have wrapped it up a little bit better than they did personally. I, I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with the ending. Well, I, I know, um, I know a lot of that had to do with like COVID because um, part of it was supposed to be, Doctor Strange, apparently, according to, uh, a, I don't remember the, the person, but it was someone that's like connected to like like Kevin Feige, but he's yeah. not Kevin Feige himself. But it, like they were saying that because Paul Bettany was saying like it was supposed to be a, a surprise guest type thing, and um, okay. apparently that's it was supposed to be Doctor Strange, like Benedict Cumberbatch. So what it was supposed yeah. to be Benedict Cumberbatch versus like Evil Vision, not Vision versus Vision or something like like. COVID had had oh. issues to do with 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 people and stuff like that. That was part of the reason. I know. I know oh that. wow! Yeah, that would have that would have given it a completely different feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, I actually like the vision part of the story. I thought that was really well done. Uh, what they did with Paul Bettany mm-hmm. uh, and his character development. I was uh, I was more disappointed. I think there were a couple of layers. Um, the first being the whole Quicksilver angle. Oh, um, yeah. I, I thought they kind of crapped the bed on that one because it was such a beautiful opportunity to open up the, the multiverse um, and, and say, like, okay, we're actually introducing characters from the Fox franchise and putting them into the MCU. And I yeah. thought, like, wow, what a cool, brave thing that is. Because, uh, you know, sort of the imagination uh, reels from that because you're like, oh, man, does this mean, like, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Deadpool is going to be part of this in the future or maybe Wolverine or, you know, mm-hmm. all these characters. And, but then no, it turned yeah. out to be kind of just like a, a boner joke, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it's kind of annoying that, yeah, they used the, another actor who played Quicksilver and, but he's, he's, he's like a third version cause he's not playing the Fox version of Quicksilver. He's right. not playing her brother who died in age of Ultron. He's like, he's like kind of like, her brother but not and he's not his fox version of himself it was yeah it was definitely like 
what like what is this like why did they cat like i get they kind of wanted the hype but yeah they didn't actually tie it in so no i I think overall it is good but yeah 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 it's like you're right they didn't capitalize on it as much as they could have i i think it's partially due to the fact also that um they they didn't want this to be the entrance the entrance of uh the x-men into the mcu they they want I, I don't know. There's a whole, again, I think partially, partially due to COVID is part, part of the reason, but yeah, I don't know. They're, they, I don't know. I think, I don't think Kevin Feige was as directly involved in this as he has been in some of the other movies. So that's probably why is my, you guess. know what, you know what? I think this is one of those um, moments where you have to look at the silver lining of any situation. And in this case, you know, thanks to COVID, we have a ready excuse whenever anything goes bad now we can just say you know it's it's because of covid yeah that's what did it yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah so um going into uh falcon winter soldier um same, same thing it was a little little slower off but it was like definitely um definitely not as slow as wandavision um but one thing i think one thing for me is at the very beginning that I actually liked was um, bringing back George St. Pierre as Baptiste uh, or whatever his name is in, in the show. Yeah, I don't, Bat I don't Rock. Remember. Yeah. Bat, Bat Rock, yeah, absolutely. That was a great reveal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It, um, and I know I know from uh, the Winter Soldier movie that uh, GSP, because he's a professional fighter, he has kind of a little bit of issues with this role because it's the it's the the fake fighting compared to what he's so used to and yeah, he, yeah he's actually getting getting uh, popular again because he was on Joe Rogan and everything so I he might be there's a I, I, he's a slight rumor he might be coming back to the UFC that would be interesting I mean he's been gone for uh, for a couple of years now you know I've watched the UFC as well and and it's like I think that would be great um, but it would be a big challenge you know just because he's been gone for a while mm-hmm. Um He's, he's not as young as he used to be, and there's some in the welterweight division. Usman is a beast, man. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't see many people beating that, beating him right now. No. Um, but you know, all the luck to him. GSP is a legend, man. He's, you know, uh, at, at, in his day, he was pound for pound the greatest in the world. So mm-hmm. you know, if anybody can do it, maybe he can, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you like. As we said, since since you're a writer, you have the kind of that kind of mind. What did you kind of think of like the like overall like writing and script and dialogue of, of the show? Um, well, I'll just preface it by saying that Winter Soldier is probably my favorite uh, Marvel movie yeah. of all of them. As a lot uh, of people, it is for most people. A lot of yeah, people. I I thought it was incredibly well crafted. You know, they they set up. Uh, they used the backstory that that was set up in um, the first Captain America movie, and then the following Avengers films, and then to bring it into into the Winter Soldier, I thought it was beautifully, beautifully done. Um, and it was a tone, it was a bit of a tone shift, right, from the um, quote unquote superhero movies, and it was less of that, and mm-hmm. became more of like a a, a spy thriller, mm-hmm. which I thought was really kind of cool, right, uh, with some really kick ass action. Mm-hmm. Um, so to build on that, you know, I was very excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier because I thought they established these characters really well and then to follow it up with Civil War and, and of course, the, the last two Avengers movies, um, these characters sort of had a really great lead-in to the TV show. 
And I was pleasantly surprised that it began uh, with such a, a punch. You know, it was like uh, there was some real great action, and you got to see um, the Winter Soldier in action. You know, in that flashback scene. Yes. And then yes. you also got right, and then you also got to see uh, Falcon taking on Batrock uh, in this helicopter chase, which was really well done as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I was on board immediately. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like there was no there was no doubt in my head that that okay, this is going to be something I'm going to want to watch from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also curious to see how they would tackle the whole legacy of Captain America, right? Because uh, to me, Steve Rogers is is my my single favorite character in, in the MCU. The way Chris Evans played the character was, I thought, absolutely perfect. Because I used to read the comics when I was a kid, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I just loved that character. You know, he's sort of the embodiment of all that is sort of pure and good. Right. Um, but at the same time, he has an edge to him. You know, he's not just like a, a Boy Scout. Um, he can not he can as much make, compared, not as much, compared to he, in the 40s. Right. Right. But, but at the same time, you know, he's this guy who literally he fought in World War Two. He's a veteran. He's a soldier. So he has that soldier mentality to mm -hmm. things. Right. So there's there's a bit of a, a harder side to him. And I always like that about the character. You know, if, if he could sort of switch it on and off if he had to. Uh, but at the same time, he always sort of stays true to his convictions and he's always honorable in everything that he does. Mm -hmm. And, and you like know... Like in Civil War. Like in Civil War, the, exactly. Yeah, Civil War right? is a perfect example of that, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and to the point where, where he's he's larger than life. He's larger than just a man. Right? Mm -hmm. He becomes this icon for the country. And I thought that the TV show uh, approached that really, really well because... You know, the, the one interesting thing about uh, Sam Wilson as a character is he's just an ordinary man, right? Yeah, he has no super soldiers or, or anything, yeah. Yeah, there's no superpowers. He literally just has these wings that, that help him to fly, and that's really it. The, other than that, he's a, he's a soldier, sure, but, you know, it, it's it, and he's in obviously really great shape, mm -hmm. but, you know, it, it's it's just a man playing in this world of... of superpowered beings essentially of god yeah like, right yeah exactly so so for him to step into that role you know and and i was really glad to see that they followed that through line where you know you could sort of see it being set up at the beginning where he he turns the mantle down right it's that sort of that you know refusing the call yeah as it were right he didn't um, he didn't feel like it like like he says at the end of endgame like it belongs to someone else because he, he because like you just said steve rogers is such that big like powerhouse of, of a man like him and, and tony are the two like people of the two leaders and he's right yeah so and he was on he was on yeah he was on cap's side during civil war so he has so much respect for him and and then, right. yeah, it had nothing to do with, like, like being a black man, but then they kind of tie that in with, like, Isaiah Bradley and introducing him and everything. They did, yeah. Yeah, I thought they tied that in really well, too. Um, what's interesting, you know, just to back it up a little bit, what you yeah. just said about about Sam sort of being um, there next to Steve Rogers, on you know, during Endgame and all that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, on his left. Uh, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so uh, you know he was always kind of the sidekick really when you think about it right mm -hmm. um and 
I think it's one of those things where it's it's always difficult for the sidekick to step into the role of the hero. You see this in other comics as well, right? Wherever, like when Dick Grayson uh, tries to step in and become Batman, yes. right, for example, and uh, things like this, right? And it's, yep. they always seem to have more difficulty uh, doing it because I think part of the reason is psychologically speaking for the character, right? It's mm -hmm. they you're always trying to live up to your heroes, but because you've idealized them in your head, how can you all, how can you live up to an ideal when you know that you yourself are flawed? Exactly why, uh, Bucky is so like, he, that he accepts the fact that, cause in, in the comics, both of them have been Captain America, but Bucky right. in the MCU knows that he's still messed up. He still has PTSD. He still has all this stuff that he wouldn't be able to take on the mantle, the, 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 meaning behind the shield it's not okay here's this weapon here type thing it's what it represents right exactly he feels he can't live up to what it represents that's exactly right i think he has uh he had too much baggage to deal with right uh and even when the show ends i think he still hasn't quite resolved everything um which is interesting, like in the title, right? You you alluded to that at the beginning, where it starts off as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then it ends Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which I thought was really interesting and kind of telling uh, in the fact that his story is still not over as the Winter Soldier. They didn't switch it to Captain White, America and Bucky. Or White right? Wolf. Or White Wolf, which is kind of what I expected one of those two, but they didn't. They kept it the Winter Soldier, so I'm like, hmm, what does this mean? You know, I think there's more Winter Soldier uh stories to be told which i, I certainly hope so because mm -hmm. i love that character mm -hmm. you know um yeah but going back to your to what you were saying about isaiah bradley and and uh you know that side of the story that's another angle they pulled out of the comics mm -hmm. you know um for you know for for your listeners who aren't familiar with that story um this was oh gosh i don't know maybe about 10 years ago i think um maybe more so Marvel did kind of a little retcon of the Captain America history where they said that um, Steve Rogers, in fact, wasn't the first Captain America. He was the first successful test subject, but there was um, there were a group of African-American soldiers who were experimented on uh, in order to perfect that serum. And Isaiah Bradley was the one who survived the process. All of the rest of the test subjects died. And they weren't really um, volunteers per se. They were told that it was going to be a, I, I can't remember now, a vaccine for yeah. smallpox or something. Would, and Sorry, well, I was just going to say, which, which ties into to real life history, which actually exactly. happened things like because they were testing and then uh, they would actually give black men like, and because they, because as the expendable, because, you know, which is obviously you wouldn't look at it today in today's standards, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they give them like cholera or or something like that, which is right because they wanted to see the effects of these things, and it was I mean it's horrible, absolutely horrible, right? 100%. What happened in real life, and so you know Marvel kind of took a page out of real history and and transposed it onto this character, mm -hmm. and and I thought they they approached that really really well in the TV show. The character of Isaiah is fantastic. Um, if anything, you know, I would love to see that backstory come to life uh, and see him in his, you know, uh, adventures as, um, you know, this sort of precursor to Captain America. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. yeah. 
so I maybe I mis misunderstood a little bit because um to what how I kind of saw it was that because uh, Steve Rogers was in the forties, but Isaiah was in like the seventies, like during the Vietnam War. That's... Yeah, they they changed it in the in the the TV show. They changed it. Oh, okay. In the, in the comic, he came before, but in the TV show, he's after because they're trying to reproduce the the serum. Yeah, just right. like from the the very first uh, Incredible Hulk movie, how they show it in the very very beginning. They're, they're still that's trying right. to pull it forward, and that's that's where the Winter Soldier serum comes from. It's a it's a play off of it, slightly different. Yeah, yeah the abomination, right. all that stuff is all slight variants of the original steve rogers yeah that's right yeah mm -hmm. in the mcu at least it's, that's it's right different yeah. in the comics and everything right but <laughs> yeah well that's that's the thing when you're trying to truncate you know how how much like uh started years worth of comics into yeah. you know 20 movies you're gonna have a you're gonna have to yeah slice and dice a little bit <laughs> exactly but that's that's one thing that's really good about uh marvel and like especially like kevin feige is such a brilliant man because um, unlike the DC, uh, DCEU where they're, and, and or DC Comics and Marvel in general, where um, Marvel is like so much inspired by real life, especially since it's set in like New York for the most part, um, mm -hmm. compared to DC where it's Metropolis, Gotham, it's all fake places. Where right. like that's what I like about Marvel better is the fact that it is still somewhat realistic. Like um, people are trying to build Iron Man weapons and technology to this day, like b based off of that, it's plausible. But mm -hmm. um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, but like a DC, yeah, they like you have as you were saying, like the god, like normal man for, for uh, Falcon again. Like that's what people always say. Batman is he's a he's a man immense amongst gods. But at least the Falcon is is still more plausible than like than than Batman. Like it's very very unlikely that one man can train his entire life and learn all these martial arts and be the smartest person in the room and mm -hmm. still live his regular life compared to Falcon where he's, uh, this is who he is. This is like a real, yeah. you could see him in, you could, especially with how they show, um, him try to support his, his sister in mm -hmm. with the boat and everything. So it shows, okay. So, and I, but, uh, I like how, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of two thoughts at the same time. Um, yeah how it shows the real life of like this struggle that, okay. So he works for a gender or he's a contract, a contractor for the government or whatever for yeah. missions. But, um, and then when he goes to apply for the, the bank loan, they ask the question that like that the fans have asked, like, how do they get paid? Like Tony can't, mm -hmm. Tony can't be paying for, for everything. He's like, yeah, he's making money, but even now that he's out of the since ever since he's got out of the, the, military budgets and everything like that and he's in energy or whatever like okay that kind of makes sense but not like multi-billions of dollars there's no way he can pay everyone so that's a question that i like how they threw that in of like the, of, of a fan being like how the heck do they actually do everything well it's a valid question you know how, how the heck do superheroes make a living right um historically speaking, they've always had their alter egos, right? Which had a day job, right? Like Spider-Man's a photographer for the Daily Planet, Clark Kent's a reporter, stuff like this, right? Daily Bugle. But then, yeah, Daily Bugle, yeah. So, but then, but then the MCU has sort of just done away with all that, right? And, and you know, 
it's it's almost like the hero and the alter ego are one and the same, mm-hmm. right? Like Tony Stark is Iron Man. There's no mystery about it. Captain Steve Rogers is Captain America. There's also no mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it begs the question: What do some of these guys do for a job? Like, how do they earn a living? Mm-hmm. You know, Falcon's a, a perfect example of that. You know, it's like you sort of get the feeling like this poor guy just sort of lives on, uh, you know, veteran pension. And that's kind of it. Especially American <laughs> veteran pension. It's not... Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to get and everything, too. So, you know, yep. they, they respect... They have so much respect for the, the military, but they don't pay them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, kind of... Not, not, not really, but then, like, did you know about all the, the other uh, plot points that they were trying to go into that they kind of kind of had to cut completely no no no, so you remember in the um i think it was the very first episode how they stopped the the trucks and everything coming in and bucky's Mm -hmm. on the truck and it shows a thing of uh of vaccines yeah there was that that was there was supposed to be a part where um uh, what was the organization? One World, One People. Like, what was the, the organization Flag, called again? Flag Smashers. Yeah, where they were yeah. stealing, like, taking these vaccines and bringing them to more people that actually needed them. Yeah. But um, there was, and that was the whole reason why there was the random funeral of the random woman that we never kind of got introduced to. That right. th- those yeah. two uh, plot points kind of got like thrown out, thrown out the window basically, because uh-huh. part part of there there was a thing saying that with the vaccines and everything and how it's so relates so much to the COVID vaccine that's coming out right now. They were like, let's, let's not do something where it could turn too much into, into like real life where it's a little too, too close. Blame COVID in other words. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. You know what? That, that makes sense because that would have tied in those plot points a lot better. I mean, that one character that, yeah, it was, it was such a sort of big plot hole of like, what is the significance of this one random person Mm -hmm. and, and their death, you know, like it's a character we as the audience know nothing about um, and don't care about at all. Let's be honest, because we never actually met her in life. Mm -hmm. And, and all we see is just her funeral. And it's supposed to be this big moving moment. And yet it, kind of fall flat because we're just like, okay, just get to the next part. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike, uh, uh, Sharon, uh, no Peggy Carter's funeral in civil war. Like we, right. we know who she is and they even re bring her again in, uh, in, in, uh, end game. Like we know yeah. who she is. We know that she's an important character. She like started the, with the shield and like mm-hmm. then, and then you see her like in, old age and everything like how important she is so like having that it actually made sense and it kind of like helped sway uh steve's cut steve's decision with the sokovia accords in that movie and everything too like how like remind him i should say compared to um this woman i don't even remember what the character's name was and and she was just like this the start of the the flag stashers uh, movement or whatever and smashers Mm -hmm. movement and yeah there was just nothing. <laughs> it's, true. It, it's true. Yeah. Like you have to establish some kind of history uh, for the audience to latch onto and for the characters to latch onto as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and without that, there's no weight to anything that happens. Um, so like you say, when, when we saw Peggy's funeral, 
we saw the effect it has on Steve and and how he is literally broken because this is you know one of the few people left in his life who is that tether to his previous life and and she was the love of his life right so so we feel that emotional uh, weight of that moment well fast forward to the TV show and you know she's you know the, the characters that are standing around they're sad but you know, we get it. Okay, it's a funeral. We understand that they're sad, but yeah, you had that's, that's as far as it goes. Yeah, you had all these like what twenty, fifty, like however many other people in the room just kind of standing there, like then not even like the extras knew what what they were there for. It right. seemed like it was just kind of like <laughs> okay, I guess there's this yeah. Uh, so exactly. yeah, it was just a random like plot point that just caught com- like like completely erased, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what was what your impression of uh, bringing Zemo back? I loved Zemo. I thought they did him solid in this one. Um, the character in Ultra and well, not not Ultron. Age of Ultron. Uh, it, he wasn't in Age of Ultron. He was in um, Civil War. Sorry, Civil War. Civil War. So the yes. Character, they they had him in Civil War, and I thought he was okay. I, I you know, I like the comic book Zemo. Um, I thought that character has got a great backstory, um, and then there's this a story of of redemption that the character tries to go through because he comes from a very evil past uh, that his family is tied to. Um, that you don't really get in the movie. No, the, the, all, all, all you get is the voice the voice uh, recording on his phone. Right. Yeah. Right, and he he doesn't look like he looks in the comics. Um, you know, they, they sort of missed the opportunity with the purple mask and all that stuff. And, and so it was kind of like a missed opportunity. And I, I love the fact that they brought him back into this show and they sort of righted all those wrongs. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave him the, the costume that the fans want to see. Um, Besides his sword. Right. He doesn't have his rapier. That's right. But, but, but you know what? He still, he still managed to kick a little bit of ass. So that yeah. was, you know... Um, and, and I like that they gave him some humor as well. Like he wasn't, you know, he was very dour and, and sort of one note mm-hmm. in the, in the film, but in the TV show, there's this other side to him. That's, that's really kind of playful and at times even innocent, like when he's interacting with the little kids and stuff like that. And since we know he's the villain from the previous movie, we're not exactly sure, you know, what's his agenda here and, and how is he going to be towards these kids? Is he going to do something, you know, awful? And But no, I mean, he ends up literally giving them candy and, and being nice to them. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of a nice, refreshing um, change for this character. And, and we actually see his growth as a character uh, thanks to this show. Mm-hmm. So, so I really appreciated that fact. And I really hope that it leads to um, the establishment of the Thunderbolts. I was just going to say that, yes. Which would be wonderful, which is, you know, um, Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. You know, mm-hmm. this idea that you've got these supervillains uh, and anti-heroes who sort of band together um, under a government mandate to redeem themselves mm-hmm. by doing good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some of them want to, some of them don't. And I think that sort of makes for a great mix, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the, there's already... Um, so there's going to be... Um, him and uh, well, I was gonna say spoilers, but it's been it's been over <laughs> for a while, for a while, uh, a little bit now. But yeah, we have the new like Captain America, like the um, 
the guy who took up the mantle, uh, the what's his US name? US agent. No. Yeah, US John agent. Walker. Yeah, so we have we have him, um, and then there's there's a couple other people in the raft already, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're definitely establishing that, and and um, and I and they have um, Thunderbolt. They have Ross already there. Like like right. we know that Ross has a lot of connections in the government and everything right now, as is. Mm-hmm. So and he he was. He told like in uh, end no uh, end game when he's talking to um, Rhodey and he's like, oh, these guys are fugitives, and he's like, no, he's only fugitives because you told him to. So he has like a like a strong personality of want like, like he kind of wants to do the right thing, but like in the yeah. in like the bad in like the bad way, but he's kind of willing to cross the line, but he's not gonna stick his own neck out towards it, like. So yeah, I, I was, that's the other thing I was gonna say. It's gonna—I don't know if it's gonna lead. It's probably gonna still be a while, but it will probably be. My guess is probably gonna be another show on Disney Plus, because it's not so. coming like, out. Yeah, it, would, it lends itself well, I think, to a TV show. Um, and a nice thing is, you know, uh, with the the stars that are sort of or the superheroes that sort of populate that Thunderbolts uh, world, um, they're for the most part, newer stars to the franchise, right? Like, um, you know, you've got Wyatt Russell as, as John Walker. You've got Daniel Brühl as uh, Zemo. Um, so, you know, just sort of from a practical standpoint, you're not talking about your big budget actors like like your Robert Downey Juniors or your Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. right? Um, but so I think it's definitely doable. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not, like, slated in... Uh, the end of phase three slash start of phase four of the actual films that are coming out. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder, like, I really hope they, it, it does go to Disney plus and maybe it's like a secret project or something like that, because it, if they're kind of teasing it and there's, so there's going to be this season of Falcon Winter Soldier, there's probably going to be at least the second one based off how it ended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think so. Considering it's not necessarily tying into, there's no other, there's a there's a long time until Avengers four comes or uh, four five whatever number it counts if you count Endgame as Infinity War as one movie. Um, well, there is the there is the Captain America four movie though. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. That's gonna be with that's with Sam Wilson as Captain America. Right? Yeah. So there's there's an opportunity there to bring back a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. So I wonder if that's going to be where they introduce. Oh, that's a good point. That's probably where where they will introduce the, the Thunderbolts then, potentially. It'd be a good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then kind of going back to what you said about like when we were first talking about like Wandavision and the X Men. I know they first they finally just the other day released like posters for official names and movies and stuff. So they introduced the mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. So yep. hopefully somewhere in the mix like charles xavier is going to interact with dr strange or something like that that would be so cool right yeah and having reed richards in there and throwing in the mix and the fantastic four i think that would be great yeah they need to make it like an illuminati and then the planet well they already had bits of planet hulk already with thor Mm -hmm. uh so that maybe maybe wouldn't work but that's still that's that that's the thing is that I wonder if people are going to get like superhero fatigue a little bit because there's so many Marvel movies, DC movies, so many animated like uh, comic book shows, the boys. There's so like so many things right now that are superhero related. 
there's so many. I know it's 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 kind of crazy actually, right? It used to be just really the Marvel movies, and that was kind of it, right? And you had the occasional um, DC film thrown in for good measure, right? Your Superman films or your Batman films, uh, but for the most part, that was really it. And now it's like there's this explosion of of superhero material. Um, I think one of the reasons, personally, is because because of Marvel's success. Right, that's really what's driving it. Um, it's it's that sort of bandwagonism, right? The idea that that something became so incredibly successful that everybody else wants to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So they're just scouring all the comic books and all the franchises out there and saying like, okay, we can't do Marvel, we can't do DC. Who else is out there? Well, we've got Image Comics. Let's see what they've got. Or we've got you know Valiant Comics. Let's see what they've got. We've got IDW. What do they have? Mm-hmm. And they just sort of jump from franchise to franchise looking for for those little nuggets um but you know what they're they are striking gold you know the boys i think is a fantastic show yeah i i love that show and and the, this idea of 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 superheroes actually being you know rotten assholes is yeah it's exactly kind of a really great fresh take yeah you know like uh homelanders literally has the exact same powers as superman but he's just uh, he's what if he was the only one, like it, if Clark Kent wasn't like it, this good mm-hmm. goody two shoes character, so and then there's this new the Invincibles I think it's called on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, Invincible. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the cartoon. Um, I haven't checked that one out, but I, I read the comics and I, I love that series. That it is extremely graphic, extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so just because it's a cartoon, people should know. Do not let your kids watch it. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Well, the realm of the of of uh, all dark adult cartoons are are like are like there's much more context and everything to to adult cartoons than than there are for kids stuff. Because I know Rick Rick and Morty. There there's um, even just going back to like Simpsons, Futurama, Family Guy. Even though some of those older ones, like those ones, are a little bit still. Uh, you could well let your older kids watch them, maybe not your kid kids, mm-hmm. but yeah, then exactly that the Invincibles, um, or even just like like there's some anime like some that are made for like teenagers or whatever, like My Hero Academia. If you yeah. ever heard of that, that's that has its mm-hmm. uh, fifth season starting right now, and it's, it's another idea of goes back to um, how how do you pay your superheroes, right? So they have like they're paid part of like the police force, like taxes or whatever. And that is like on the kind of teetering on the edge of like a, adult and they show a little bit of blood and stuff like that or because it's yeah. anime and it's it's definitely one of definitely my like favorite anime, but because it has that superhero theme to it. So that, that's what I really like about that. And then I've, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched the Invincibles yet, but um, I, I might get the trial of Amazon Prime just to, to watch that show. Amazon's awesome. I, their TV uh, stuff is, is fantastic. Like, I love all their TV shows. Uh, they have so many good ones. Um, but, but to go back to your point, you know, of, of, of cartoons, I think anime is one of the reasons why um, we have so many more adult-oriented cartoons now. Because, um, you know, I remember being a kid and being exposed to anime for the first time, watching stuff like uh, Akira or Ghost in the Shell, things like this and it blew me away like my friends and i you know we grew up on like saturday morning cartoons yeah and so, so did I. The, you know so when we watched these anime it was like oh my god this is so violent mm-hmm. like it was dragon ball crazy. z for me 
Yeah, like it was drawn really well. The stories were like incredibly engaging. The characters were fantastic, but then the 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 graphic level of violence that was in them would just blew us all away. We couldn't believe it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, and I'm not surprised, you know. I'm not surprised because all of us who were kids when we were first exposed to those were were now adults, right? So we're sort of the the target demographic in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. For 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 a lot of these uh, makers, uh, content makers. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're sort of gearing, you know, they're saying, okay, you guys still like cartoons? You guys still like comic books? Well, here, here's material just for you, mm-hmm. right? But, yeah, but even, like, um, look, I was listening to another podcast, and it was just, even just the kids' movies, like, if you look at Toy Story, for example, that's made yeah. for kids, but it still has like the occasional adult humor in that kids won't get. It goes over their head, and it makes it more Very enjoyable much. for the parent watching with their their son or daughter, right? Very much, yeah. But you know what? That's that's really a throwback to the old like uh, Looney Tunes. I mean, like Bugs Bunny uh, was a perfect example of that. This idea that you could have uh, a cartoon that small kids would love to watch it because it was full of slapstick humor and like, you know, pratfalls and things like this. But then it was peppered with all this innuendo and, and uh, things that went over the kids' heads, but the adults got it. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of adult humor in there. And, and now, they're, went, now it's watering it down so much. It's, yeah, it, exactly. It, it's like as time went on, they, they started to water it down more and more and until it became only a kid's product, mm-hmm. right? And and the adults, the sort of adult content was completely done away with. Mm-hmm. And now we're sort of coming back full circle where it's like, no, no, let's pepper in some more grown-up jokes, right? I find it, what's interesting to me is it's not the only medium that's doing that. Um, I don't know if you follow uh, professional wrestling at all, but it sort of went underwent a similar metamorphosis. When wrestling first started, it was only for adults. It was mm-hmm. very serious. Everything was super technical. Um, you know, they, they actually did real wrestling at first, but then it became more of a show. Yeah. And as it became more and more of a show, uh, they started bringing in more of a family crowd. And then it sort of hit its peak in the late 80s through to the mid 90s, mm-hmm. where it uh, sorry, Stone, Stone Cold it, it Steve went, Austin. Right, that's what right. I, that's so, who I grew up watching, Stone Cold and, and The Rock yeah. when he was a wrestler. And it went through these these uh, hills and valleys of of um, between adult and child, right? So in the eighties, you had sort of the apex of the sort of the Hulk Hogan golden era, where, it, where everything was kind of superheroes, right, in the yeah. ring. Uh, and, Macho Man know, Savage with his like lace and yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was all like you know, eat your vitamins and say your prayers, and everything was very PG. And then the Attitude Era came in the 90s with The Rock and with Stone Cold and DX yeah. and these guys. That's and it I... became very adult, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was like, there was way more adult content. And then that's when it was at its most successful. But then an interesting thing happened. They went back to that PG era, right? Because it went into sort of the John Cena era and everything became kind of... Uh, the me- he, he, he's a meme. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So now they're kind of in this in-between phase where it's almost like they're not sure which way is the right way to go, right? Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see 
uh, kind of just like car, just like cartoons, just like comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, you sort of have to find that middle ground where you you can try to make as many people as you can happy, right? Because after all, you want to have a four quadrant product if you can. Young, old, male, female. Um, we'll see if they can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring it to use that as a turning point to bring it back to the the main thing. Um, what what's your kind of take on like wrestlers coming into like action movies like Dave Bautista in the in uh, Guardians or uh, John Cena in uh, the new Suicide Squad or or uh, The Rock or anything like that? I think it's a natural progression. I think The Rock is the guy who really, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson, I think he's the one who really opened that door. Because back in the 80s, they tried to do it with Hulk Hogan. But the problem was Mm -hmm. Hulk Hogan as a character was such a caricature that anything they tried to do with him, he just ended up being Hulk Hogan, Mm -hmm. right? So it was always just Hulk Hogan, you know, uh, fighting aliens, Hulk Hogan... Uh, babysitting Hulk Hogan doing something right it's always the same character doing the same uh, doing these different circumstances Mm -hmm. but when Dwayne Johnson came along um, luckily he had a a really good range you know he has a very natural charisma people like him Mm -hmm. Uh, he has a great look obviously Um, so I think he was kind of like this complete package where he was able to bring something to it that that wrestlers previous to him weren't able to do um and he got to sort of step out of that shell where it's like i'm not the rock anymore i'm not this character that i play on tv i am this character in the movie and yeah. you'll accept me as such right and yeah. i think that you know guys like dave batiste especially like i think was able to follow that in guardians um and i think that was such a wise decision on his part to take that role because it allowed him to do something that the wrestling character never did. And that was um, to bring this innocence to this char- to, to himself as a character and to um, bring a soft side that you don't see in it's, that wrestling uh, Especially if you're a villain in, in the wrestling era, right? If, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now, so now we can accept them. You know, we just watched actually. Uh, my family and I we watched a. There's a. I think it's called My Spy. I was just gonna. Uh, that was gonna yeah. It was great. It was a really great family film. You know, and and you totally buy him in the in the role. And it was actually really funny. Mm-hmm. So so I, I love the fact that you know they're they're starting to play to the to the, to the strengths of some of these wrestlers. You know, mm-hmm. because after all, they are natural actors. Yeah. These guys, they get get out in front of a crowd every week and you know for a couple of hours that's what they're doing they're basically doing improv right mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just like uh, as you were saying about the range or whatever like Dwayne Johnson as like t- the tooth fairy back in the early 2000s to like mm-hmm. Fast Five or the Hobbs and Shaw like the big like that you show his range of characters and he can play or like Jumanji where he plays kind of both where he's like a badass and yeah. a funny guy like Jumanji's and, awesome yeah I love that movie. I haven't seen the yep. second one yet but but yeah um, Anything he does with Kevin Hart, actually, I think is fantastic. Those yeah, two they're are such, such a good a pair. Great pair. Yeah, you know? <laughs> hence why they both keep on bringing, getting, they both keep on just rolling in the money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like play to your strengths, right? If you find something that works, um, keep going with it. You know, I mean, it's one of those things like uh, you see it all the time, actually, in Hollywood, right? Where where um, a certain director finds actors that they work really well with, right? Um, they'll always keep sort of dipping into that pool, right? Tarantino always seems to work with Samuel L. Jackson on everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But the reason is because the chemistry works really, really well. Yeah. Right? Uh, obviously, the sort of the results speak for themselves. So why Adam, wouldn't you keep dipping into that? Adam Sandler hiring all, all of his friends. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I, I wish I to I will eventually have a, a relationship like that in, in the future for myself because I want to be um kind of kind of like the, the like Kevin Smith in in that way because I like his, Kevin Smith's like attitude of you know what I'm not the greatest actor so I'm just gonna play a guy that doesn't talk like I want to have that that kind of like mentality about it and um and just be like hey like he him and Jason Mewes like they're best friends. He got introduced. Yep. He they make all these movies. Like Kevin Smith, he writes all of them, directs them, everything, and and he knows that um, Jason he he can do the work if he puts the mind to, his mind to it. So he'll he'll get into it. He had bad issues back in the early in the nineties, early two thousands of like drug problems and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, but that's what I really like about yeah, like Kevin Smith or anything. The same thing. It's just um, and and like he he knows. I really like say um, that he's. He's not an indie filmmaker, but he's not a multi like he's not uh, like I don't know multi million dollar film. He's kind of like at the like fifty million dollar like hundred million dollar budget. Like yeah. he, ma- he makes his movies the way he wants to do it. So that's mm-hmm. having that friendship. That's the type of like filmmaking that I want to do. Well, I think you know relationships are they are everything in the film industry, right? Like. Um, it's one of those things you you have to work very hard to cultivate good relationships, but it's always a two-way street, right? You always want to find people that you click with um, and, and that you get along with, that you work well together with, um, and, it, and it goes, you know, in front of and behind the camera. Um, and it's, it's, it's rare to find, I think, those relationships. So when you do find them, it's like you want to hang on to them as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the smartest um, filmmakers and actors and so on, they will also extend out of their, you know, little comfort zone and say, okay, I'm willing to also take a chance and work with someone I haven't before. Um, whether it's as a director hiring an actor you haven't worked with or as an actor going to work with other actors or working for a director you haven't worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is also important because that then expands your circle potentially, right? Um, and, and I think the bigger that pool is that you can dip into, uh, the more variety you can bring to the table and the more, you know, the better the product. Yeah. And then therefore it also helps like your personal life. It helps your, you grow as a person individually. Uh, like Joe Rogan was just saying this, uh, the other day on his podcast, um, that like, because he talks to so many people, he'll talk to scientists, he'll talk to conspiracy theorists, he'll talk to fighters, he'll talk to like every he has such a like he's so open-minded and like as you're saying so if you're working with uh a woman that's 15 has been directing has her entire life or someone that's 20 it's their first first film like get someone to and even the 20 year old that's just getting out of film school will still have little nuggets because of like technology and stuff like that right just as um like dylan's trying to work on uh What's what's he working on? Something that's a, a, a new three D film or something? He was working with a I of VR or something or IR mm-hmm. or something like that. Like getting into the the new realm of technology and learning, right? As you just said, you're always Absolutely. learning, right? Yeah, I, I think everybody brings something to the table. You know, even uh, there is such a thing to be said as you know for raw talent, right? Some people just have it, they, or, or some people have incredible drive, 
uh, to say, you know, like maybe I don't have the knowledge base yet, but I have the drive. I want to learn. Mm -hmm. And the way I'm going to learn is by surrounding myself with people who are better than I am at this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's That's always me. that saying, right? But there's, there's that saying, I don't know who said it exactly, but it's almost like they say, try to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah, yeah. Because because then you'll always be learning something from everybody, right? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're really never going to go anywhere mm -hmm. uh, from it, right? And and um, I think you're only as good in a lot of times uh, as the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. Right? And, and so. um, one of my favorite quotes that I try I try to uh, kind of live by, especially in, in when trying to learn something, is a quote from uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Mm. Uh, Failure is always an option. Like, learn, like take that in and be like, okay, it's you. You learn from your failures, right? So, so Absolutely. you didn't get this grant this time. Find out why and try to improve it. And did yeah. you? Are you trying to give a horror to uh, to lifetime? Like, that's not going to work, right? It's like, learn from right. your mistakes. But, that's important. That is so important. Like, I think a lot of people view failure as um, depressive, kind of like the universe crapping on them, and and they just sort of sink back into themselves and maybe get all despondent about it and think like, oh, you know, it's unfair and this, this isn't right. But what they're failing to see is that failure is in it. It's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn and better yourself and, and, and grow as a person. Right. Um, Cause every, every failure means that we can learn from whatever mistakes we made along that path. Mm -hmm. and say, okay, now I'll try not to make those mistakes the next time around. Exactly. You know? um, it's something that I learned as a writer, um, you know, of course, because it, it, when I first started screenwriting, I had no idea how to write a script. Like, I, not a clue. You know, I, I, um, I would work with a Word file that I would open up, and uh, I had no idea what format was like, um, what the margins were, uh, you know, how – it had to how the action blocks had to look compared to the dialogue blocks and things like this, and so it looked awful, and the content wasn't very good either. But that's beside the point. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you show that to people, and you put yourself out there, and you're willing to take criticism. You know, I love criticism. I I I thrive on it because mm -hmm. it's the only way I'm going to better myself. Um, you know, I, it, of course, it doesn't feel good when somebody tells you this is no good. Uh, but what does help me is when somebody tells me why something doesn't work, yeah. right? And what I could do to make it better. And then it's like, oh, okay, awesome. I'm going to take that and I'm going to apply it to the next round. And and hopefully it'll it'll be better the next time around. Already then. Yeah, I'll, uh, I have, I literally had an idea for um, literally last night a dream. And I was like, hey, this is such a good dream. I'm going to write it down. I'm like, okay, hey, I'm going to turn this into something. So I'll, I'll send it your way and you can give me some criticism when, when I get it sure. written down. Um, yeah. But yeah, so do you want to, is there any, let's kind of wrap it into uh, anything else with the show. If there's any other kind of thoughts you want to talk about and then we can kind of, to kind of bring it back for the listeners that kind of clicked in to, to talk about yeah. that show. Um, I thought it was like, overall, I thought they did a good job. I liked the way the various storylines were wrapped up. Um, I think what I liked about it was how the show in general had this, this idea of 
what it takes to become an actual hero, right? I think that was sort of the through line, at least for me, that was the through line, mm -hmm. where you had, um, and, and how each character approached it in a different way. I really like that part. You know, you had Sam, who who is this person who who is an ordinary man, as we said, trying to live up to an ideal. And by the end, he does. Bucky is this character who is trying to escape his past and somehow erase it and overcome it. But then he finds out that in order to become the, the hero he can be, he needs to face the past instead of run away from it, mm -hmm. right? Instead of trying to bury it, he needs to bring it to life. The li um, acknowledge his list. Exactly, exactly. Um, then you've got John Walker, you know, who's this great character, and really, I, I thought he was a fantastic character. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry, such a nice guy is like as a perfect mantle as what they were looking for at the at the beginning. Well, he was he was perfect as an image, yes. but not as a person, yeah. right? So like he, he ticked off all the right boxes yeah. that they were looking for, but but as a person, he was very flawed. And, and again, it's almost like Sam's problem. He's trying to live up to an ideal that he really can't live up to, right? Um, and, and part of that is because he's a very different type of person from Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. Steve Rogers was this person who, who uh, as a weakling, uh, appreciated, you know, like that, that line in the movie where he appreciates, a weak man appreciates strength, right? Um, so, so he always approached everything from the idea of, um, protect the innocent, protect the weak, first and foremost, always be just, always be on the side of right. John Walker really approached it from this place of strength, right? He was sort of the, the top athlete who became a top soldier, who, you know, became this uh, Medal of Valor winner and all this stuff. He's like a, a genuine American hero. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah, he and, still and, had respect in a lot of, and he was still knew like the, for the most part, like kind of right thing, right thing to do. We just not exactly the the best way of, of doing it. Well, exactly. Some, sometimes, at least, for the like it, his backstory is that way. More right. Worse. Yeah. Right. Because so so when you think about it from that hero perspective, he was a character that never learned to be humble, right? Because he didn't. He always had everything go his way, mm -hmm. and and he learned humility through the course of the show. Uh, because he failed. He was like an abject failure. His best friend died. Uh, he brought shame to the Captain America name. Um, you know, he was summarily dismissed and all this. And it was, I thought it was really nicely wrapped up at the end where they gave him that moment of redemption where he could either go after Carly um, and, and take her out, mm -hmm. which is what he's been trying to do the entire, the entire show. Time. Yes. Or, or he can save this truck full of innocent people who are about yeah. to die. Yeah. And, and he, he chooses to do the right thing. And if it was literally earlier in the season, he would have made the other decision. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So and, and so he had this nice redemptive arc. And then you've got Carly, who um, herself is somebody, I think, who's trying to be a hero. She's trying to do the right thing mm -hmm. for the people that she cares for. Uh, but unfortunately, hers is a negative character arc, right? Where where she starts off uh, with noble intentions, but ends up failing because rather than choosing to redeem herself and and you know make the right decisions, she makes the wrong decisions. 
and she chooses to kill and she chooses to you know hurt innocent people and things like this mm -hmm. um, because she feels it's a means to an end. But as we all know, you know, hell, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, right? it's it's just, it's so. little it's it's like um, as I was saying before, like what I like about uh, one of the reasons I like about Marvel is their their characters are actually like okay, you like like um, one of my favorite villains in all of the MCU is uh, Killmonger because mm -hmm. because he has that same like oh shit like this actually kind of kind it's kind of makes sense like it's like it's I get it like. Like and I get where the anger comes from, right? And the yeah. same and with with uh, with her too is literally it's that like, okay, well we just every like half the world was destroyed for, like five for five years. Things change. This changed an entire planet worldwide, mm -hmm. and like now you're kind of like saying what happened didn't count. Like doesn't matter anymore. So right. and, and it was her way of kind of looking at it and shaping it and. And again, it, the one world, one people, like no borders, that, that premise makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. But mm. that way of going towards it's, it, it's the, it's the flip side of the coin of the, of the, that way of going towards it is not necessarily the best way. Right. It's, it's, yeah. It's like you say, I think, I think the best villains are the ones we can actually relate to mm -hmm. uh, because it at once makes, makes them more relatable to us as viewers but it also kind of scares us a little bit right because we we sort of it's like putting up a mirror to society and yeah. saying look you are one bad decision away from being the villain mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and and i think that's but at the end of the day that's what makes them villains is the fact that it comes down to usually one key moment where they cross a line that should never be crossed mm -hmm. right and and then it's not to say that then the villain can't become a hero again because we've seen that happen as, as well right so, exactly yeah exactly so and and that, that's what makes them so much so fun to watch as characters right mm -hmm. these sort of like ups and downs what what you just said that reminded me of the line the line from uh deadpool two i don't remember mm -hmm. if it's one or two where the colossus it's he's saying like everyone thinks that you're you're a hero you wake up a hero you brush your teeth a hero you do do your taxes a hero but it's it's one it's it's one moment it's each cute little moments i don't remember right is, is that deadpool one or two two, two. Yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 this is your moment that's right yeah, it's, it's the one it's the one moment exactly yeah. um one one little quick question first and then we'll, then we'll uh, wrap it up um, sure. what was your kind of take on Sharon Carter as, uh, the power broker, like, as they were kind of leading towards it, but kind of not, yeah. it was like, it was like, did they just throw that in as like a retcon? Like just, yeah, it kind of felt a little bit forced to me, to be honest. Um, I think part of the problem was they didn't have anybody else that could be that character. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't a surprise when it turned out to be her because mm -hmm. it was like they never really set up anybody else that, that could have been. Uh, the only other character that that might have fit that role would have been Zemo. Zemo, yeah. But, and but him kind of same, playing nonchalantly, like... Yeah, yeah. but, but they, the way that they set his character up, you could sort of see that he was actually turning into kind of a good guy. Mm -hmm. um, so... That would have been a really big swerve if they'd thrown that in, and I think it would have been more unexpected than had it been the way it was with Sharon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think 
it sort of remains to be seen where her character goes with it. And if they if they capitalize on this somehow, then I think um, maybe it'll be a good payoff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, exactly. I was like, I know I saw a bunch of theories that would be like, well, maybe it's her, but they're they're saying they're using he. I know, like Zemo saying I know him or whatever, and it's right. like so like like that's just an easy way to throw it off and so um yeah i don't know like exactly i don't know if zemo actually knew that sharon was to begin with or if he was just kind of being like being a comp like being confident to show his power type thing in uh Bajanpur and like just knowing the that type of people that you have to be a badass like mm-hmm. or if he and or if he was still if if he's gonna i guess i guess he doesn't know because he would have been in the prison by the time uh that everyone found out but yeah so now but maybe she's still just kind of like the face because it ends with her on the on the phone call saying like i have i don't may not have super soldiers but i have secrets to sell type thing so yeah she might still be just kind of yeah, yeah the face of the power broker, broker like the, the person, person that, that right yeah and we just don't know who she's talking to exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so i oh, know it's interesting like uh, i i think there's a lot they can they can still do with these characters um, there's a lot of room to grow for all of them. Um, personally, I just I want to see more of Zemo. I think he's a fantastic character with a, a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to me, I think he was really the breakout character in this entire series. Yes, um, he got much, a lot more. Much more so than, Sorry. And, and and I think he was more than Marvel expected. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like um, that whole dance the thing. Yeah. That whole dance thing turned like viral, right? And mm-hmm. and Marvel wasn't even expecting that because when he when they filmed that scene, it was literally just Daniel Brühl goofing off because he wasn't support like the character wasn't supposed to dance. Yeah, the little. So he just kind of did his little thing, and they thought this is actually really funny, so they filmed it, mm-hmm. and then you know they put it in the show, and everybody loved it and thought this is this is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's just like Chris Pat with uh, the first Guardians movie when he drops the the orb. Yeah, same thing right. it's, it's a it's a blooper but it's not because it's something that star lord would do type thing that's right yeah it, yeah it, it fits so well with the actual character right yeah. and, that, and that's I think, what i think oh sorry that, i was just sorry, gonna say that's that's what happens when you let like you have your producers but like kevin feige has his notes but he won't be like he lets the directors like make decisions right well it's also making letting your actors make decisions too right mm-hmm. like I, I'm I'm of the strong belief that once an actor takes on the role, um, you know that's theirs. You know the, the the director is there and the writers are there to give them guidance on that character. Um, but you know once they sort of become that character, I think they should be given a creative freedom to to try things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once you embody that character, like you say with with you know the whole Peter Quill dropping the the orb. I think that was a perfect example where he knows his character so well, and he's he's um, staying in character during that take to the point where even if he screws it up, he will recover as the character. Yeah. And then and then it's up to you as a director to say, hmm, I think I've got a really great moment here mm-hmm. that I can throw into the movie, even though it's unscripted. It still fits in really well. And it shows us a bit of this character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, that, that goes back to what I was saying. Like, that's what I want to kind of do, like, as a director. I, I, I know there's definitely been uh, 
I don't remember what it was, but there's some, I was watching an interview of being like, yeah, we do the two or three angles of the, of the main take of how it's, how it's scripted. And then we do like one kind of improv just to see what fits best. I don't, I don't remember who that was that they were saying that, but yeah, that's the type of thing that I, that I want to do as well. Like let people take it and, and kind of run with it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a great idea, honestly. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So overall, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really definitely, I, I, I think we had really good, very, very similar points on, on what, on the show and everything. And, and, and like, that's, that's the thing about, about like, this is that it's, um, you have obviously have a lot more experience with the actual stuff that, that I do, but I, it's, I think it's just the passion of it that, that we had. That's why I was really glad that, that I, why I wanted to do this. Right. Because I, I can tell that you're the type of person that loves movies just to love movies. Right. And, mm. and same, same thing with me. I, I love, and it's just, uh, that's why I wanted to get into it. Cause I want to know how things are, how they're made. And, and as we were talking so far, it, like what I've noticed is just general conversation. We kind of just pick up on like, okay, well, that's why this person does that. Or, or as we were talking about, like the, the being on the cliff for, for the villains or anything like that. And, and yeah. it has nothing to do with, um, me t- like being in film school or you kind of being on sets or anything like that it has to do with like just knowing what people like and just enjoying it and just kind of picking up on those on those cues right yeah it's it's knowing what it takes to to make a good story right mm-hmm. um and i think that's inherent in us as, as human beings we you know um since the first humans right living in their caves we've been telling stories mm-hmm. to each other so I think it's something that's ingrained in our DNA. And I think that's why we can recognize a good story when we see it, um, you know, and, and we find those moments of where, where stories connect us, right? Yes. And that's why we enjoy it. You know, we enjoy the same shows and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. So thank you very much, Neil. Um, how, how about this? We'll uh, call, call back, back again uh, after uh, Loki finishes, and we'll do another one. So, sounds like a plan. I love it. Let's do it. Sounds good. I, I would definitely love to to have that. I like. I I, I love this format of having the general conversation, genuine conversation. That's the whole reason I started the podcast, right? Is is to talk about it and be like nerding out and stuff like this, and that's why I, I like to cover multiple uh, media platforms because. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, Jaden, the the guy I started the pro, the podcast with, he's more like jumps into gaming stuff. I jump into movie stuff and like boom, fuse it together. And then uh, Brandon, the other one of the other co-hosts, we talk about the anime stuff and everything. Awesome. And then uh, Dallas, he gets into like the like the um, like uh, news. He he likes talking about like uh, like celebrity news and stuff like that. So it kind of all yeah. mingles stuff together and. And nice. yeah, it's all it's it's always fun. But this has been a new experience for me of, of doing like that. And and uh, I think, like I said, when we were first starting, the last time that I saw you in person was would have been uh, at the bar, however long ago. Uh, and like, back when we could still go to bars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, Damn COVID. Yeah, yeah, blame COVID. <laughs> so no, I, I would absolutely love to to do it again. And maybe uh, once every few months, we'll you, you and I will will come back and we'll talk again. Absolutely. Yeah, we should uh, we should just film something together. Too. Oh, I, I, I would love That'll... to. Yeah. I, yeah. I, actually, well, that's one thing I'm turning this this channel into. I want to actually turn it into uh, like a filmmaking channel as well. Oh, so awesome. th- this is starting right off as starting off as podcast, and then I want to make content mm-hmm. on this channel as well. So 
that's once, a great idea. Once we get a chance to, I, oh yeah, I would love to actually actually work with you instead of just talking with you. Like, Let's do it. It's that sounds great. It's always fun. <laughs> sounds good. Well, that's the M3 podcast for this episode. It was definitely different than what I normally do, but still the co- the content ended up being good. We had only one genuine top gen general topic, but as we saw, we had a good conversation about what it kind of needs and what the kind of life is going into and everything like that. So if you're interested in that type of stuff, make sure to rate the five stars on any listening platform you, that you can share it out to your friends, let them listen. If, if you, you like any of that type of stuff, stuff. give Neil some little bit of love there, there too. too. Listen to uh, his book. Uh, what's, what's it called again? Sorry. Iron dogs. Iron dogs. It's, it's available uh, on Amazon and uh, we'll have, I'll have the link down, down below. And is there any other thing that you want to, Talk, talk about there, there for yourself the only other thing we've got going on right now is uh boneyard racers our little short film it's sort of making its um festival run right now so keep an eye out for it um you can find it at boneyardracers.com and uh we've got updates regularly for where it's playing near you 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 didn't invite me to to help make it what is this neil come on we invited everybody everybody was welcome to come help it it was, yeah, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week. Thanks guys. Thanks Davis.